0: A riddle for you to ponder while I preach. When, a bit too far, that's the one. When is one not half of two? When is one not half of two? And now you can switch off for the rest of the preach while you're trying to work out what I'm going to say at the end. Um, But as Jo said, uh, we're kicking off this series of Generous Life. And we're going to do that by covering some scriptures and some thoughts about generosity. And what I'd like to do today is set a foundation for the next four weeks. We'll be running a five-week series ending at the very end of October. When we'll be listening to your testimony of generosity. Is that Okay. Does that that, that sound fair? Yeah? Okay. Um, And nothing captures the sense of this preach better than this title. Generosity for dummies. Now the Bible says be slow to take offense. So before anyone gets offended, bear with me because I don't think anyone here is a dummy. No. No, I don't. No, none of you are dummies. Um, But have you ever been in a bookstore or been online and you've seen this yellow and black book with this picture? Have you seen that? And I was amazed at how many books are in the series. The first one I remember and where it all started was a book around computing called DOS for Dummies. Now, for those of you who were in computing back in the day, DOS stood for... Disk operating system, absolutely. And it was the forerunner of Windows and Apple OS X. But you know what? I did a bit of research and I do football for dummies, car repair for dummies, politics for dummies, Roy, beer for dummies. <laughs> they do parenting for dummies, they do wine for dummies. Now, so I put beer and wine in between parenting. For those more sedentary people, they do quilting for dummies. Uh, They even do dating for dummies and pregnancy for dummies. And let's not jump from dating to pregnancy without mentioning they do marriage for dummies as well. And the guy on the front, this guy here, is called the dummies man. And according to that most robust of academic sources, Wikipedia... (laughs) For Dummies is an extensive series of instructional reference books which are intended to present non-intimidating guides for readers new to various topics covered. Uh, And my aim today is to present a non-intimidating guide to generosity for those who are new to the topic or maybe those who the Holy Spirit is maybe calling and taking deeper into generosity as part of our spiritual growth as a church. So the idea isn't that we're dummies, but rather, how do we take something that's really challenging, that's a high call of God in our lives, and make it simple? And a good place to start is always Jesus. As Joe said at the start, when he introduced the, the, the values that the, that the church has, we want to be a generous people because that's what Jesus taught And that's what Jesus modelled. Now, I'm going to take a break from my preach because we have a generosity challenge. We have a generosity experience, experiments, and Vicky is going to explain that to you.
1: How exciting. So we had a bit of a chat, didn't we? And we were like, how can we do something practical? How can we get people going to begin their generosity? So I would like you, please don't panic, to everybody to look under the chair they are sitting If you have lots of empty chairs by you, please could you look underneath all the empty chairs as well? And if you find something, could you take that? Not chewing
0: gum. If you find chewing gum, leave it there. Hold
1: it in the air, please. You're going to have to do a big search. Jack, have you got something? No, that's not what I'm looking for. There should be an envelope. We're looking for. It should should be an envelope.
0: Don't pass it on
1: to anyone because if you find it, it was meant to be for you.
0: So look under the chairs. Look under the one next to you. Under these chairs, so hold it in the air, hold it in the air, we've stand up, one. stand up John, hold it in the air, oh we've, we've got, got, got another one here, we've got two can you stand up, sorry, can
1: you stand up and hold your envelope, stand up if you've got an envelope, thank you,
0: come on, more. keep
1: searching, keep searching, two
0: more, look under the chairs, There's Daz, Daz has three. got one, more. Right, one, one more, and it's over one this more. side, someone's not looking hard enough over this side, have a look under this side, at the front, at the back,
1: stay standing and don't pass it on. There's one more.: One There's more definitely envelope. one more He's
0: under one chair. Have you looked under the back? Right it's at the not back.
1: the back, I don't think. Have you looked under the row ro- with Joel? Maybe. Joel. Joel, have you looked under there and everywhere? There's one more envelope.
0: Can you remember where you put it? I
1: think it's there It's
0: sort like of that. In, that it's in that back section. It's in your Definitely. section. Come on. Turn the chairs over. Have a look.
1: Stop praying. Come on. You. Yay, Jackie's right. got it. Okay. So those four. Stand lovely up if you've got an envelope
0: and hold it. Stand up if you've got an envelope. You stand up. Stand up if you, that's okay. Right. Hold it up okay. in the air.
1: Can you now open your envelope? The generosity challenge. What is inside? Attention's envelope? Hold, it up. What's ma- inside? Hold up what you've got inside? A ten pound note. Chris new
0: ten pound note.
1: We know we know that sometimes it's really hard, isn't it? Because you really want to bless people, but money's tight and it's really difficult. So we have given you ten pounds. We want you to take that ten pound and we want you to be generous with it. Now I don't what I don't really want you to do is go and put it in a charity box. But you might stand in a coffee queue and decide to bless the person in front of you or behind you. You might decide to take cakes into the office. You might decide um, to take a food parcel round to somebody.
0: It's not for you, but it is for you to be generous to someone else.
1: Okay, so the other thing I'd say is, could you pray about it and say, God, how would you like me to use this £10? And then, in four weeks' time... we would love it. And if you don't want to stand at the front, we'll do it for you, to tell the rest of the church how you were generous with that £10. Yeah. And feel free, anybody who didn't get a £10, to think, well, maybe I could put £10 in and I could go and be generous and I'm prepared to share that in four weeks' time. Come and tell
0: us, when you've been generous, come and tell us what happened. And as Vicky said, we'd love you to tell the church How you've been generous and what happened? But we'll do that for you with your stories. Is that okay?
1: Can you do that for us? So let's encourage these four. Thank you.
0: The generosity challenge. Nothing to do with the generation game. That's slightly different. So a good place to start is Jesus. And you often hear the phrase, "You can't take it with you," don't you? Or "You can't take it with you," and it's true you're all thinking about what you'd do with 10 pounds now, aren't you? I can tell you've, you've zoned out. If the riddle at the beginning wasn't enough, this has really hacked the rest of the preach off. But never mind, we'll stick with it. We're, we're made of sterner stuff. You often hear it said, you can't take it with you when you die. That's absolutely true of money and material possessions. Absolutely true When you die, you can't take them with you. But what you do take into eternity is the soul. You take into eternity who you have become over your lifetime. And Jesus talks a lot about generosity in the scriptures because it's crucial to our spiritual formation. Generosity is crucial to the person we are becoming. It's crucial to who we will be in eternity. Your soul is what you take into eternity, and generosity is a soul shaper. And when Jesus talked about the sheep and goats and judgment at the end of time, he highlighted that compassionate generosity is the mark of true salvation. Did you give a drink to someone who was thirsty? Did you clothe someone who was naked? Did you visit someone in prison? Now, don't get me wrong. We've talked in previous series that you can't earn salvation. So you don't do these things to get salvation. But if you are truly saved, then Jesus is looking for generosity to be a sign in your life. He said, there'll be people who've prophesied. There'll be people who've cast out demons. There'll be people who've done many wonders. But Jesus will say to them, Get away from me, I never knew you. You see, you can do things in Jesus' name and not know Jesus. And Jesus won't judge us by what we did, but whether he knows us. And what separates the sheep from the goats is compassionate generosity. Because when you truly encounter Jesus, a true encounter with Jesus releases generosity. And you've only got to look at the Bible to know this. Uh, Look at Zacchaeus. Jesus sees him in the tree. He calls him down. and, And how does Zacchaeus respond to encountering Jesus? He says, I'll give half my wealth to the poor and I'll pay back four times what I've cheated anyone out of. Now, for me, a real recent generosity encounter happened last year. Now, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, you heard Vicky talk, and you will have heard her say, and you'll know, that she's had an increasing call on her life and felt it was time to do more formal ministry training. And so together we, became, we began to look at the options. Now I'd already been through the AOG ministry training and that really didn't appeal to Vicky. That wasn't the route that she felt God was calling her into. We searched online, we looked around at many courses, we went to open evenings, we went to one really expensive open evening Uh, of a program and we walked through the door and you know when you walk through the door and you just know this isn't right this is just not what God's calling us into not what God's calling Vicky into Um, and we were beginning to think it's just not going to happen but we had one more possibility the vineyard movement does something called hub ministry training and for a very long time Uh, probably since when I was first a Christian the vineyard movement has been a real inspirational part of the ministry journey for me and, and for Vicky since we've been married and of all the courses that we found this was the one at vineyard that Vicky felt most excited about it was the one that seemed to fit what she was looking for but there was a problem Vineyard Hub is exclusively for those people who are vineyard people And we're not vineyard people, we're assemblies of God people. So we had a bit of a problem. But not being put off by that and being a bit of a cheeky chappy, I decided to email them anyway. So I dropped them a line and said, look, you know, this is where we're at. Is there any possibility of Vicky joining Hub? And and could you tell us how much it would cost, please? And we had an email back and we were invited by the senior leaders uh, of the Birmingham Vineyard, uh, a couple called Andrew and Rosie McNeil, And they run the hub for the whole of the UK vineyard. And firstly, I have to say, when we went to meet them, they were extremely generous with their time. They asked us to tell our story. And our story has some telling. You know, it takes a while to tell it. And they were really attentive. They're very generous with their attentiveness. And by the end of that, we felt really listened to. And we felt really heard. And and, and just as an aside, that's generosity, listening to people, truly listening to people and wanting to hear them is, is, is generosity. Um, but at the end, what they said to us was this, look, we want to invest in you two for the kingdom. We know that you're not part of Vineyard, but we want you to be a blessing for the kingdom of God. Uh, come along, not just Vicky, but both of you come along. We recognize that there's a together calling on your life and you need to do this together. Come and be part of the hub training and if there's anything here that can help you, just take it. And by the way, free of charge. You ain't got to pay anything. It's like, wow. Come to hub training. Have Saozao prayer ministry appointments. Ignore when it asks online for payment. Just skip that bit. Don't pay. Just come. Come to our National Leaders Conference. And if anyone asks you, just say, you're friends of ours. And we left that meeting totally bowled over praising jesus and really thankful and we weren't just thankful because god had opened up a way for ministry training and we weren't just thankful because we didn't have to pay thousands of pounds that to be honest we couldn't afford uh we didn't sort of leave there praising jesus because we could do it together and that's what we'd always felt we ought to do but we left praising because we had encountered the open-handed generosity of jesus And and another generosity encounter from Scripture that shows what happens with that encounter happened when Jesus went to Simon the Pharisee's house. And a woman came in and broke an alabaster jar of expensive perfume, a year's wages worth of perfume, and she poured this precious perfume generously over Jesus. Now, knowing that Simon the Pharisee has problems with this, Jesus asks him, who loves more, the person who had a big debt forgiven or the one who had a small debt forgiven? And then Jesus turns to the woman, Luke 7, verse 44 to 47, and said to Simon the Pharisee, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. You see, your willingness to recognize your need for generosity dictates your capacity be generous i'll say that again your willingness to recognize the need for you to receive generosity dictates your capacity to be generous another story uh, as many of you know vicky and i uh, went recently for a week to my parents in spain Uh, so we went to their villa in spain uh, you had a holiday there for a week and their neighbor is very, very generous. They, they, they do a lot for them. Out there in Spain, mum and dad don't have a car, so the neighbour sort of takes them places, they get groceries, they pick up food. Um, they're, they're really lovely and really kind. And, and one day, uh, my mum was going out to buy them a gift. Now, have you ever been in this situation where it's more than a gift, it's more than thank you? It's all, it was almost as though my parents felt as though they had to pay back the generosity that the neighbours had shown them and pay back that kindness. And, and I thought it was Vicky who, who said this and Vicky thought it was me, but one of us said to mum and dad, look, look, why don't you just let them help you? Why don't you just accept it as a generous gift rather than feeling as though you've always got to pay that back and buy them something? Uh, my dad said something that we really took Vicky and I back. It really surprised us because he said, we don't think anybody could like us that much to want to do those things for us. It's like, what? And it it really made us stop and think. Because my parents didn't feel as though they deserved generosity. Whereas Simon the Pharisee in the scripture didn't think he needed generosity. I mean, Simon was following all the rules. Uh, He thought he was good. But you know, he just missed how much he needed to be forgiven. Contrast that to the woman who knew very well the depths of her state, and she knew how generous God was. So when she encountered Jesus, her response was beautifully generous. Not just the amount and the cost of perfume, but her posture, falling at Jesus' feet, washing his feet with her tears and her hair. In this instant, a generosity encounter released praise and adoration it was an overflow of the heart as a result of a love encounter with Jesus. And that really is the central, it brings me to the central message of this preach about generosity, which is love. Do you know that love is the mark of your spiritual maturity? If you want to measure your spiritual maturity, look at how Well, you love. Look at how you are growing in love. But did you know that generosity is the sign of love? Jesus said the greatest command was to love God and love others. Love is the ultimate generosity. Uh, The Apostle John, who was one of the disciples of Jesus, focused the entirety of his writings on love. He knew this was the main thing. When he was too old to walk at the end of his life, The Apostles John's disciples used to carry him on a stretcher and all he used to say to the people gathered was, little children love each other, love one another. So the mark of spiritual maturity is love and generosity is the sign of love. And the evidence of growing in love and generosity is unity. Why do I say unity? Because as Christians... Bear with me with this. With Christians, you are no longer simply an individual in a society, separate from a society. You are now part of a family. You are now part of a community. If you are a Christian, you are grafted in to the body of Christ. You are not an individual in a society. And if I truly see myself as part of the body of Christ... Then my concern will be for the whole body, not just for the self. And what is generosity other than a concern for others, a giving away of what is mine to you? The Psalms say, where there is unity, God commands a blessing. Where there's unity, God commands a blessing. And I hope that you'll agree that we've been really blessed by God since we've demolished our building. It's not been easy, but we've had blessing after blessing. Firstly, God gave us Caris Bible College to worship in for a couple of years. Then when that season ended, he provided this wonderful facility here at GAD. And do you know, it's a year to the date exactly that we started worshiping in Grace Academy Darlington. We've been here a year And I think it's through the generous grace of God and the generosity of the principal. Um, I remember Rachel told a story. She'd came to visit the principal and when she was driving here and thinking about the meeting, she didn't want to ask for anything or presume anything. She just came to listen. And the principal basically gave us everything we needed and more beside. What an amazing act of corporate generosity. But why do I say unity? is linked with generosity. Well, Acts 4.32 is a really good example. All the believers were united in one heart and soul and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. There was no needy people amongst them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles and give to those in need. And this passage beautifully makes the link between unity and generosity. I was going to be a bit naughty at this point and I crossed it out the preach, but I'll say it anyway. Um, I don't think we're going to preach that much on tithing and giving and money uh, in this series. I, I don't think we're going to do that. But some people say, I don't tithe because it's not a New Testament principle. Tithing is Old Testament, and I'm a New Testament person. Well, I would say that now we're under grace, not law, the the, the requirement on us is to be even more generous than the Old Testament. And I'll leave you with a choice. You can tithe or you can follow Acts 4.32 and give everything away, and sell your house, and sell your land, and give it to Kevin, and Rachel, and Joe, for them to distribute amongst the poor. It's your choice. I don't mind. So I was going to be, I've I've been a bit naughty, sorry. Naughty Will Back onto script. Um, So I would say that generosity is the needle on the barometer of love. So if the barometer is love, then the needle is generosity. Vicky, who you heard earlier, is my wife. And the Bible says that because we're married, we're now united, we're one flesh. I love my wife just as much as I love myself. Because she is now myself and I am her, according to the Bible. I've got absolutely no problem sacrificing to be generous towards Vicky because that's what love and unity does. I'm not generous out of duty or because I'm supposed to be or to follow a rule. I don't have to do it. I want to do it. There's nothing I'd rather do. And this, according to Jesus, is how we are supposed to love one another. The very last prayer that Jesus prayed was in John 17, verse 20 to 23. And it was for all believers. And it was that we would be one with God as Jesus is one with God. And that we would know how loved we are. Love, unity, and generosity. And just before I stop talking about love and come into land for the preach, probably the most famous passage out of the Bible on love is 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. And if generosity is the needle on the barometer of love, I think we can substitute the word generosity for love in this passage. And then generosity becomes so much more than what we do with our money because generosity is a heart thing. You know I started preparing this sermon a, a, a while back when I, when I knew we, when we set the, the preaching router and so it's been with me for a while and as I was preparing God challenged me on generosity and he, li- he highlighted to me that my attitude to a couple of people at work wasn't generous. Now, you need to understand the people I work with. Phil Begg used to work in the same place I work, and, and he's smiling at me. He knows. I mean, the one woman is really hard work. She, she's got an uncanny knack of not doing what she's supposed to do, but then twisting it somehow so that you feel inadequate. Yeah, he's laughing because this is what happens. Then there's a guy who's trying to prove himself and takes loads of credit for things he's hardly been involved in, yeah? Yeah. And both of these people, they're bullish, and they're arrogant, and they're condescending. And God highlighted to me that my posture towards them wasn't generous. And so I had a choice to make, and I chose, in response to what God had highlighted, to start being generous to these people. (laughs) Now, I know you're sitting there thinking, and then it all turned out wonderful, and you're the best of friends, and it all worked out. No, it didn't. It got worse. Every bit of generosity was thrown back in my face, like a slap in the face. But you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? He said, your generosity is more about your heart than it is about their response to you. And I think that was something I just had to share. It was such an important lesson. Generosity isn't on about what's going on inside me. Sorry, it is about, it's more about what's going on inside me than how the other person is reacting. And Jesus always pointed us to what's going on inside. Uh, what we do on the outside is really just a sign of what's really inside us. Do we have a generously patient attitude? Do we have a generously kind disposition? Are we generous with others Not boasting or not being proud and not dishonouring to put them down? Are we generous with our emotions, not letting our anger leak out and hurt others? Are we generous with our forgiveness, not keeping records of wrongs? Are we generous when great things happen to other people and we rejoice with them rather than being jealous? Jesus, to land this, had some advice on how we looked at the world. Matthew 6, verse 19 to 24, I'll read this to you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. The eye of the lamp, sorry, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money probably the strongest clearest preaching on finances but it used to puzzle me it really used to puzzle me because the first bit talks about where your treasure is there your heart will be so i'll get that that's about treasure and the last bit talks about you can't serve god and money but the middle bit's on about eyes eyes and light and darkness what's all that about it doesn't fit in the passage it doesn't make sense Well, it does begin to make sense when you realise that in Jesus' day, when they talked about your eye being good, it was a reference to generosity. Did you know that? No, some people didn't know that. So this passage starts to make sense. The bad eye meant you had a stingy and selfish way of looking at the world. But if you had a good eye, you actually had a generous way have seen the world so now I can read the passage like this the way you see the world will dictate how much light you allow in if you are generous you will be full of light but if you are stingy you will be full of darkness so do you see why generosity or stinginess is so important and I have a challenge for you Despite the generosity challenge earlier, there's another challenge. Do you have a stingy or a generous eye? I'm not asking you to tell me. I'm asking you to think about that and pray about that and ask God and the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, do, do, do I have a stingy eye at the moment, God? Do I need to have a more generous eye? Is generosity and light flowing through your life or is your life stingy, dark, and stagnant? Scrooge and the Grinch, just in case you were wondering, as one example, and open handed generosity, the other side. That's what the slides are. Jesus said, You have to lose yourself to find your life. You can be tight fisted, or you can be open handed. If we grasp hard and hold tight, we lose our life. But when we give ourselves away, we open ourselves to trust in the abundance of the kingdom. An open hand is needed to give away, but an open hand is needed to receive. You can't receive with a tight fist. So, I asked you a question at the beginning, when is one, not half of two? Uh, and the, the, uh, uh, John, um, it, the forerunner of Jesus, in the Bible said, if we have one, in this world, if we have two clouts. We're supposed to give one away to someone who's only got one. And in this world, if we've got two coats, and we give one coat away, how many coats are we left with? Excellent, one. It wasn't a trick question. So you can say, hang on, one is half of two, Will. But in the kingdom, if you give away one of your two coats to someone who has none, you not only have one coat, you also have at least three other things. You have a spiritual exchange. Jesus said it is better to give than to receive. And when you give, you open yourself up to a blessing. So you've got a coat and you've got a blessing. The promise of God's provision. You've also got the promise of God's provision. You have got increased faith that God will provide. So you've got a coat, you've got a divine exchange, and you've got more faith. And you've also got the growth of your soul. Generosity grows your spiritual inner being and enriches your eternal self. So when is one, not half of two? It's when you give away for the kingdom because you've then got four. You've got a coat, you've got a spiritual exchange, you've got the promise of God's provision and more faith, and you've got the growth of your soul. I think that's a pretty good deal. And if I haven't said it, and I haven't said it yet in this preach, you can't outgive God. You just can't do it. Give, and it will be given to you. To end the preach, um, and the band can come up if that's okay, so I can have some nice little sort of keyboard music while we while finish. That's always good. I want to tell you what a pastor friend of mine, Jason Clark, said a few weeks ago in one of his podcasts. Because for me, this sums it up perfectly. He wasn't talking about generosity. He was talking about the vision of his church But he said this, and I thought, I've I've got to tell Junction 10 this. This is what Jason said. We follow Jesus into what he's calling us to do. He is the measure. The question about what we do is always this. What is God saying to us? What's the Spirit inviting us into? It's not not what can we afford. I'll say that again. It's not what can we afford. It's not what's easy. It's not what do we have the energy for. But what is he calling us to do? To be a Christian is to make an exchange. To not be a Christian means to go through life living with the resources that you have. You take care of them. You protect them. You invest them for the best for you for me to be a Christian is to do completely the opposite it's to take the little you have and to pour it out in service to Jesus because he promises us that when we give away what we have he will multiply into our lives a way of life that you could never, ever have imagined. That's the exciting part of being a Christian. That was Jason Clark. Generosity isn't something we do out of guilt, or out of duty, or because we must try harder. But generosity is a heart response to encountering the overflowing, abundant generosity of God. And if generosity hasn't been a big feature of our Christian walk so far, if there's a blockage of generosity in our life, then we may have to start by being purposeful and intentional about doing some unblocking. We have to start off by being generous to unblock the valve and let generosity flow in our life. So as we come to communion as we remember the ultimate act of generous love, the cross, where Jesus gave everything as the greatest act of mercy and grace in a divine, generous exchange. Can I encourage you Junction 10 to fully be the person that God called you to be? And could you do that today with a wholehearted, single-minded focus of embracing the high call of generosity.